and welcome back to the Court of Three podcast. This is Spencer Breedlove, your host, and I get to do this podcast with my lovely wife, Lisa. Today, Lisa and I have the opportunity and the great privilege to interview a friend of mine. His name is Dan Ryland. I first met Dan about 11 or 12 years ago when I served as an executive pastor for a local church. Truthfully, I felt like when I met with Dan that I was sitting in front of a rock star. I mean, this guy is like a pastor's coach to literally thousands of pastors all over the nation and even the world. But as I sat in Dan's office, he quickly made me feel like I was the most important person in the room. And he gave me his time and his undivided attention, just like any great coach would do. Dan left an indelible impression on my life that day, and it continued, and he continues to do so through his writings and even in the times that he and I are able to share a meal. In today's episode, Dan, Lisa, and I discuss a recent article that he wrote called The Five Highly Undesirable Realities of Fear in a Leader's Life. This article resonated with me because of the fear that I have experienced in my own life as a husband, a father, and a leader. I am so grateful for Dan and his willingness to sit down with Lisa and me to unpack these realities and how to overcome them. And I am sure that you will find this conversation helpful in your own life and leadership. So I encourage you to grab a notepad, grab a journal, grab your Bible, whatever you use to take notes in. Maybe it's your phone uh, where you use the note, the notes section, your notes app. Um, you may want to take some notes here because I know and I believe that the conversation that we are going to have today is going to have an impact on you just as great as it has had on me. Now, let's listen in to our conversation with Dan Ryland. All right. Dan, this is the first time that I've been able to meet you. I know uh, you and Spencer have had a friendship for a couple of years, but I wanted you to just tell uh, our audience a little bit about yourself. Tell us your story, maybe what brought you to this area and to what is now known as 12 Stone. I'd love to, and it's my pleasure to meet you as well, Lisa. And uh, Spencer and I do go back a ways, and that's really good to reconnect. And we've remained connected. He sends me these really wonderful um, uh, prayer prompts on Sunday mornings. They always remind me of him and his prayers. So we're connected spiritually, but it's good to be uh, connected right now face-to-face. So my story in brief, well, uh, I'll go way out, but go real fast. So I was actually born and raised in San Diego, and uh came out here with uh, uh, Maxwell Ministries and, and, and uh, after years with him in the church. But I would, I would start my story right here because it's more fun. My claim to fame, ready for my claim to fame? Yes. I'm the guy that broke Max, John Maxwell's internship. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
I literally broke the internet. So I graduated from uh, Asbury Seminary and, and uh, John hired me on staff, brought me in as his first intern. He was just there for less than a year at Skyline in San Diego and uh, brought me in as, a, as an intern. <laughs> he said at the end of the year, we're never doing that again. And he never did. He never did. Never had another intern again. So I broke Maxwell's internship. Anyway, that's there's amazing. Redemption the, there's redemption in the story. Okay, good. Yeah, a minute, about a minute and a half after they said, but I'd like you to stay on staff. And, and I, he hired me then and we were together for 20 years straight. And uh, we're still very close today. We were, I was just working with him on one of his book projects. He was up here and got to go down for his 75th birthday party. So we're very wow. close. We'll have some time with him this summer. But anyhow, so we were here and it, we came to Atlanta in 1997. I was at uh, North Point Church there with Andy for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I got to serve as an elder on the board and learn so much. Andy's a genius. Mm -hmm. And then God called me to 12 Stone, which at that time was Crossroads. And uh, and I've been here 20 years. Can you believe it? So 20 with John, 20 with Kevin. And uh, I serve as the executive pastor. And we are in succession now. And so triple succession. So that's pretty exciting. But here I am. And it's a multi-site church, 12-stone church. We're having a blast seeing people get saved, baptized. It's really cool. Thanks. That is awesome. That is really cool. What an incredible story. And uh, I know, you know, I've had the I've had the privilege of just kind of watching that a little bit over the last 10, 11 years of just our friendship and understanding, you know, who you are and the influences in your life. And uh, for me, as a as a former pastor, but also Mm -hmm. as one now that gets to serve on staff with FCA and getting to have good, strong relationships with pastors um, you have been a tremendous encouragement to me Mm. and from, from day one, from the day that I first met you until, you know, even today, you have been that pastor's coach and I am grateful for your leadership. I'm grateful for your heart. I'm grateful for, uh, just the coaching that, you know, you have blessed me with and blessed thousands of other pastors with uh through what you write in your books as well as what you write in your blog and uh, i'm just i'm i'm grateful so thank you you're you're more than welcome and those are very kind words so uh it's just you know it's it's we here's how i see it we're all on the same team we're all helping each other it's really cool yes it is and speaking of your uh pastor's coach email uh, the, there was a recent email that you had sent back. I want to say it was back in March and it was an email that it was, it was a, a topic that really resonated with, with me because in ministry, and I don't know if I had ever had the opportunity to share this with you, but in 2017, uh, at that point, I was doing bivocational ministry. I was serving on. I was serving as a as a pastor for the church plant that uh, we had started in the Barrow County area, and at the same time, I was also serving on staff with FCA. So I'm, you know, I'm at that point. I'm probably about four or five years into church planting and FCA, 
And in 2017, that fall, uh, I hit a breaking point. I hit a I hit a place where it was a, it was just a breakdown, and there was a lot of fear that was um, really for me. It was debilitating for me. It was just it was very overwhelming. I know that in terms of this particular subject that you wrote about, it wasn't technically focused on the debilitating types of fear. Right. But it was something that resonated with me because of what I had been through, you know, going on, it'll be what, five years come this, this September. And my question to you is what led you to write about those five reality, unrealities, undesirable realities of fear in a leader's yeah. life? Yeah. Uh, I, I think cause I, not only do I get to do my work as executive pastor at 12 Stone Church, I get to coach lots and lots of pastors across the country and church leaders and, and consulting as well. And so I just see stuff. I don't have empirical you know, research and data. I just get to see a lot. What I'm seeing is and experiencing is there's some cultural realities in place um, that are clearly different than just a couple of years ago. And the way I would unpack that, obviously, we could say in the aftermath of COVID and I don't, I don't know what, I, I lose track of when COVID is and when isn't, but let's just call it sort of the aftermath. Yeah. Cause I like to at least say we're, it's over. Although when I say it's over, people get upset. So I don't know what to say anymore, but anyway, <laughs> the aftermath, the aftermath of COVID, I think pastors are feeling a lot like they lost ground and wonder if they're ever going to get it back again. And, and then, so we add to that the uncertainties of the future, which are really obvious, they weigh heavy. And then, you know, kind of that middle zone, that tension of, uh, you say the wrong thing, you get canceled. So there, these kinds of things, you, you can make a, a much longer list, but these kinds of things, they, they pr- produce a hesitancy that I haven't seen before among a lot of leaders. And I get it. I hesitate too, because there's so much, you know, but here's the point to kind of get to your question. As the hesitancy lingers, as it kind of just sits we see that it's attached more than we thought to fear. Mm. And, and fear is just starting to block that more bold vision, the, the, the uh, risk-taking that we've known in the past. So that's what caused me to think about it a little bit and try to write, you know, the way I write in my blog, very practical kind of a level. Um, but that's what made me write it, yeah. Well, I know for me, um, I, of course, when I went through that period of time in seventeen. Uh, it was, I didn't want to take any risks. I didn't, I was scared to death and I didn't know of, I didn't know what my threat was. Um, It was, it was unseen. It was unknown. I just, there was just this place that was deep down in my soul where I was just scared to death. And after coming through that, there was a, uh, I, I went and I saw some counsel, got some help medically as well as as well as emotionally with uh, a, a professional counselor and he was really quick to tell me he said Spencer you've got to be okay with disappointing people and what that uncovered for me was that my fear was in the disappointment of man and that I was more afraid to disappoint people than I was to disappoint the Lord. Mm. And 
and people really kind of became this god, which people make terrible gods. And <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, yeah, they make terrible gods. And when after going through that process and really coming out of that, realizing, man, every now it's a it's a matter of do my decisions and actions please the Lord. And if they do, I'm going for it. If they don't, I'm, I'm, there's a check. And I think that with what is being here, I think in the, in this aftermath of COVID, I think you were dead on it with this, this place where people are afraid to, to take risk for whatever reason. Um, there's this fear that exists and you, you mentioned in there that there was like this moment of fear and this spirit of fear. Can you unpack that a little bit as far as the difference of a moment of fear and having a spirit of fear? I sure can. That's a good question. Um, let me give a picture first. It's a, it's a little like, or a lot like insecurity where there's a huge difference between uh, an insecure moment, which all leaders have, is a big difference between an insecure moment and an insecure person. Gigantic difference. We all have insecure moments. You know, if you're leading, you're doing things and going places you've never gone before. You're, you're, uh, uh, you know, of course there are times when we don't know what to do. You're insecure. I, I'm not sure what to do here. Of course, of course, you have that feeling because you've never done it before. But not knowing what to do is way different than not knowing what you're doing. Mm. You know, you know, just because you don't know what to do doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing. Uh, so, and no one will follow an insecure person, but we all understand everybody has insecure moments. So let's take that picture to fear. Um, so with fear, for example, you could go from your prayer room or, or your office where, where God gave you a vision, right? A, a big idea. And you've got to walk now to the, and you're pumped up and you're fired up and you're confident. You go on, you now you want to go to the, you got to go to the boardroom and present. You got to go to the whole congregation and present. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I've got a little fear here. I'm not so sure about myself anymore. I don't, you know, it was a really cool there in the quiet of just me, but now I got to go tell people this, or maybe you need to confront somebody. It's going to be a difficult conversation. You got a little fear going on. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. Somebody who has, fear in the moment will go ahead and take the action anyway somebody who has a spirit of fear just won't do it mm. they just won't do it and and that's a gigantic difference and so the the, the men and women who are struggling with this this spirit of fear i call it i don't mean that to be some weird thing but just spirits sort of taking you captive they just stop doing stuff so, and you you know you you can go through the motions in ministry and not do stuff. Sure. That's true. Yeah. yeah. That's true. So how, how do you, how would you assess fear? Um, well, let's, let's connect that to what we just talked about. I mean, I just gave some examples, specific leadership kinds of kinds of things, but let's go to some things that are maybe more general and apply more widely. And maybe here's a good way to do it. We could start with some really minor, small things, but they show how they walk, kind of walk up because uh, some, some things really aren't any, not big of a deal. Uh, it's just when they linger and go deeper, when they hang on and eventually sort of take over. 
because like like insecurity we all have a fear here and there we all have a you, you know i just got back from the dermatologist today <laughs> i always have a fear walking in there you know it's like he zaps me and and uh, what are you going to do today you know is this biopsy day what are we going to do you know you, but that's just a moment of fear and it goes away right that's different than than somebody where you're stuck in it so let's let's start minor and kind of go big uh, I think there are some minor behavioral things we're seeing. Um, oh, here's a, here's kind of a cultural thing: a slight hesitancy to shake people's hands anymore. Mm, yes. it, we're, we're fist bumping everywhere, yes. and I do it. I catch myself. I hardly shake hands anymore. I'm fist bumping, and I've asked myself, and I wonder about others. I'm a student of human nature. Is that just a new habit, or is it a lingering fear that I haven't gotten over? And, and that low-grade fear. There's a large segment of people who won't hang out for a long period of time in big crowds anymore. There are even some, even some folks who they, they're hesitant to spend time with uh, their close friends. They're, 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 they got practiced. They kind of got into a thing of being isolated, and they still are. That stuff leads to, here's, let's, I'll kind of keep walking up a ladder here real quick, um, to worry more in general. Which are people are just worrying more of little things. I catch myself in that sometimes big things. And then here's another one. Change um, has become more difficult. Change is always difficult. Always. It's become, don't you think? It's, yes. It's, yes. it's always difficult, but it's more. Here's why. Things are changing so fast yes. that we I'm, I'm seeing it uh, in, in churches I'm coaching and, and leaders that we resist healthy change. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the insight though. Not because we don't wanna change. I, I think sometimes church leaders are perceived as uh, men and women who don't wanna change. That's not true. Yes, we do wanna change, but there's no margin to change because so much is coming at us. We're, you know, so much is overloaded that there's, it's not that we don't wanna change or leaders don't want to change. There's just no margin. There's no place. There's no room. It's like, ah, not one thing. Cause you know how much energy it takes to change something. Oh, a lot. Yeah. And if there's no margin left, so that kind of leads, you see how it's kind of going up mm -hmm. the ladder to seeing more, I'm seeing more um, thinking in what if scenarios, you know, but what if, what if, what if the worst case scenarios, that's, when you get there and it's kind of all what if, like what if this doesn't work and what if this doesn't work, rather than, well, we're praying, we're believing this will, here's where that ends. Here's the last one. Where this sort of lingering, creeping fear thing that you don't even notice from something as simple as a fist bump rather than a handshake, to it's causing some folks some were like some folks, where'd that come from? <laughs> so some leaders to actually get stuck. You just get stuck. You just get stuck in life, stuck in leadership. Hard to move forward with our daily routines. That that's that's a way you can see by grades you can assess uh, fear. Yeah, and I I've been at I've been at all I've been at all of those levels. Have you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've been at all of them, and uh, you know I think that's why. It, in reading through that, that's why it was something that was just like, man, this, this is information that has got to be shared. Not, you know, not just with church leaders, but with families, with moms, with dads, with husbands Absolutely. and fathers and, and people need to hear what 
we're talking about right here. And that right there, what you were saying about the progression and the levels as it steps up, you mm -hmm. in the article talked about that there is a healthy fear, uh, that fear that maybe protects us and a fear that maybe gives us the courage to step up when needed. Um, so I can definitely see there's healthy and unhealthy fear. But over time, what are the negative um, and unhealthy effects when we have those elevated levels, like you were saying, of fear? Yeah, yeah. that's such a good question, Lisa, the elevated and sustained. Those are, that's the, mm. it's key, elevated and sustained. Uh, over time, I've been giving terribly long answers. Let me give a shorter one this time. O over time, no, you're I good, think man. we, we, <laughs> no, thank you uh, uh, for that room. Over time, we tend to pull back um, that, that uh, elevated and sustained. We tend to start pulling back again. It's just, it, it's emotionally exhausting and you, you run out of, you run out of steam. You run up. It's kind of like when someone is sick. You know, if you get sick, you have to pull in a little bit to get better. If somebody gets really sick, like cancer or something, mm -hmm. your whole world shrinks down to that size because it's not you're lazy. Or you're, it's just there's there's no room left. There's nothing. So it, fear causes us to pull back, to withdraw. Mm -hmm. You can get isolated, and then you're not yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and, th and then fear starts to hold you captive. Another one is chronic chronic worry. We talked about worry, but then it becomes chronic. You know, it's almost like, you know, you worry about your worry. Like, why am I worried? You, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. And then I it's worry like, more. Yeah. And then I worry more, you, you know, exactly. And, uh, and then I watched two things. Uh, and, a, and a lot of leaders and podcasters are really uh, uh, talking about this more is cynicism can creep in. Mm. Um, you know, we start, we, we're in this because we love people. And then all of a sudden there's a cynicism or a distrust. I'll give you one more thing. This one I hesitated, but um, you guys have, you, you make it real comfortable here. I, I hesitate to say this because, you know, I don't want to make a statement. People, that's not true. He does not a doctor. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm not a doctor, but I think I'll just speak for me. These things over a long period of time actually affect your physical health. Amen. I would agree. Absolutely. You, don't you think? I yes. mean, yes. Uh, and, and that's where, boy, now that's a lot for anybody to carry. Bro, a year ago, all right, a year ago, I was 42 pounds heavier than I am today. Wow. And I would attribute the majority of my, I weighed 242 pounds. Hmm. And I would attribute the majority of my weight gain was because of, the unhealthy and sustained and mm -hmm. sustained fear mm -hmm. that existed in, in me hands down. Mm -hmm. yep. And, and it wasn't until our organization with the fellowship of Christian athletes and our leadership began to put it as a, as a standard uh, and a goal in our ministry planning site, like, look, you need to figure out ways in which you can improve your overall health. And they left it up to us in order what to do and decide. So I got a nutrition coach and a, and a strength coach, and I've been working out about four or five times a week uh, at a gym over here in the Athens area. And I'm stronger mentally. I'm stronger physically. Um, you name it. 
it, you know, it's affected every. It's affected area. every in a positive way now instead yeah. of a negative way. Right. That's so good. That's so good. Yep. That it has. So I, yeah. I totally agree with what you're saying. Well, I'm glad it resonates because I think it's true. I think it's true. Um, stress, worry, fear, those things, you know, you they can cause that can cause almost anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we don't want to I don't want to create a fear in any listener's mind, like, you know, giving the devil a, a, a way in. But there is a way out. Absolutely. That's where we're headed. There is a way out. So moving towards that way out, let's talk about real quick the those five undesirable realities of fear and some steps that people can take to break free from them. So can you can you mention those those five undesirable realities of fear? I sure can. I, I can. Um uh Let's let's go through them relatively quickly, and, sure. I, and, you, and you you guys as the hosts, if you want to stop me along the way, okay. or or you might say keep. Okay, that's what I'll keep <laughs> Man, going. All right, so that that little motion right hey, there, hey, Lisa hey. gives that to me. All yeah, right, yeah. I'm so glad you did that. Yeah. Oh man, that's oh, perfect, Dan. That when I really used to good. teach more regularly, my wife used to do more more with my her finger pointing up. You know what that meant in our family? Land, land the plane, the plane. Land, <laughs> land the plane, and I knew I was in trouble when I ever used to see her in, in the in the in a chair somewhere when she did two of these. Oh, oh two. two spinning fingers! It's like I'm land damn, the plane you, now. I'm gonna steal you that. just gave Lisa some more ammunition that she did not <laughs> need you. in her revolver. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> she didn't need it, but thank you any for anyway for doing that. Yeah, yes, sir. Well, oh, Lisa, happy to help. Land the plane, baby. Land the plane. <laughs> Got it. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, let me take the plane off. Let me launch. And you guys, if I see the hands twirling, I'll know. Land the plane. Go to the next point. Okay. Um, so you talked about the five un- undesirable realities uh, of fear. And Lisa, I'll go back to what you what you're saying of elevated and sustained. Uh, because fear happens, you know, you almost, almost a car almost hits you. There's fear, you know, that that's protective fear. There's different kinds of healthy. So the first one is fear distracts and occupies your mind. Mm-hmm. And the, the more there is the, the fear holds your mind captive and limits your thinking. It's difficult to think of anything else. The higher, the greater the fear is, um, you know, somebody gets a, a cancer scare from their doctor, but it's hard to think of anything else. You know, it just grabs you. So for the leader, it becomes, or the mom or the dad, becomes hard to solve problems, to create new ideas, to make things better to in ministry, to, you know, create new ministries. And I think sometimes here, it's, it's healthy to start practicing saying no to your fears. I don't mean pretend, but saying no to your fears. Don't allow them to take residency in your life. Um, I, I like to concentrate even on great positive scriptures. I love the Psalms, mm-hmm. but Philippians 4, 8, you know, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, just go there. And again, I want to say, I don't mean pie in the sky, but because, but, but we, we get to decide what we think about. We get to decide what we dwell on. And so if fear wants to take your mind captive, say no, say this is, I'm going to think about different things. That's good. Um, here's a second one. Fear diminishes your hope. Um, I think fears can take your eyes off of a positive, 
hope of the future by getting stuck in the negative pattern in the present. Mm. And uh, I think fear can actually cause you to believe you can't get unstuck, like there's no way out. Mm. Um, I I just want to say to anybody listening who this might be resonating with, don't believe that lie. There's always hope. In Christ, there's always hope. There, there always hope there's somebody who cares there's a way out and of course we know we can talk about this a little bit if you want but the greatest antidote to fear that we've always known is taking action mm. just you know focus on the things you can do what can you do um i keep using these medical illustrations i don't know why today oh, i know why i just came back from the doctor that's what it is but you know people are afraid i got this bump i got this thing and i i i don't i don't want to i don't i don't want to do anything well the best thing to do is take act. Don't, don't sit and stew in the thought, go see a doctor, but I don't want to find out. Yes, you do. Cause if you find out something you don't like, you can do once again, you can do, do something. something about it. If you don't take action, whatever it is, I don't want to confront this person in my church, whatever the um, a mom or a dad, I need to have a talk with my teenager, but it's not working. You, all you're going to do is get stuck there. Go take the action that breaks the fear. Yes. So, Here's a, I'm getting a little preachy here, so let me keep going. It's fine here, <laughs> and buddy. I, no, and good. I didn't even get a land the plane hand no, spin. No, you're not no, getting them. This is good. You're not going to get right. it from me. No. All right. <laughs> Lisa, I'm watching you. Uh, fear so- convinces you, here's another one, of the need to hide. Uh, fear can cause us to feel emotionally exposed. No one likes to feel afraid. Guilty. Um, isn't that true? It's, you feel exposed, powerless, off balance, less than we're intended to, intended to be. So we attempt to hide. We don't want anybody to see that. But instead, I think one of the remedies is to believe the truth that God says about you. And this, nothing, this isn't new. We say in Genesis 3 in the garden, you know, exposed, cover up, hide. You know. see, here's, the, here's the thing. The problem with uh, uh, emotionally and mentally hiding, trying to cover, is that you're no longer full yourself. Therefore, you're not authentic. Mm-hmm. And that breaks your ability to connect with others yes. at a heart level. And God often gives others as part of the remedy to break through the fear, but you can't because you're not authentic with anybody. That's See? So good. Wow. God. Then that seems like a cycle, right? Where we're it's, a cycle. Mm-hmm. it's a cycle. Mm-hmm. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. You know, you, you, we want to we want to sort of cover up, hide, take it into the dark, and God says, "No, bring it into the light because I know who you really are." And you'd be surprised if you go tell someone your story, whatever. Maybe it's not a big thing. Maybe it's a big thing. You know, go tell somebody your story. The first thing you're going to discover is you're. It's not the only not one. The only one. Mm-hmm. You're not. You're just not the only one. And you're. Someone's been there. Someone's got a word. Something. Maybe they haven't been there, but they'll listen. They'll talk with you. But bringing it out. Bringing it out. Here's another one. Here's another one. Number four. Fear causes you to lead defensively. We kind of open with that thought. We didn't use the word defensively, but we open with that idea, that hesitancy, right? Uh, Fear causes leaders to hesitate to take risk. We talked about that or to move forward in general. We use the term a lot in blog posting and stuff. You know, we can't, we can't see around the corner anymore. We can't, we don't know what's coming. We can't predict. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one could say, well, who, who of you could really predict the future anyway? True, fair enough. You couldn't, we couldn't predict the future. However, there were a lot of things that were predictable and they're not predictable anymore. 
And so we can't see around the corner and that causes us to hesitate and lead defensively to second guess our decisions once we've made them. And here's the bottom line, a defensive position in leadership results in burning so much energy yeah. in, a, in, a, in an attempt to protect what you have mm -hmm. rather than taking new territory. Right. And that's, I'm not a real sport, you're the sports guy, but if you don't, if you don't go on offense, if you don't push down the field, if you don't move the ball down the field, you're not going to win the game. Win the game. I mean, right. Yeah. So defense doesn't win the day. You got to get back out in front and lead. Yeah. You got to go score. And yeah. it's that, it's that opportunity cost. Um, and that, and the opportunity cost is, is very difficult to, to, to calculate. And it's, it's probably way more than what it really would cost. And, yeah. and yeah, you, it does keep you leading from a defensive position um, you can never gain any momentum or traction moving forward. Correct. You're just spending all your energy protecting mm -hmm. and you, you, you can't go forward. That's like, that's like in COVID so many of us, so many pastors tried to put, we put all our time in trying to get the people who hadn't come to church in two years to come back. That's defense. Now, of course, we're, we love people. We don't want anybody to leave and not come back, mm -hmm. but you'll the congregation will never get back that way. And, and, and I say, look at all the visitors and the guests who are, the new people are coming. Wow. You've got to go get them, put your energy there. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. If you've been inviting people back to your church for two years and they're not coming back, haven't come back, they're not coming back. Mm -hmm. Go put your, that, that's, and I get it again, I get it. We don't want to just, we care, but you've got to put your energy, go forward, go to the new, go to evangelism, go to, Yeah. I'll get one more. Uh, All right. This one makes me mad because uh, oh. the, the devil gets in on this one. And, and uh, I don't say that uh, lightly. I mean, I, fear, fear dampens your joy. Mm. Uh, the devil loves to uh, incite fear in our lives because once he incites fear, he can go rest. He can go do something else because now fear, fear takes over. He doesn't have to do anything. And even even that what I call no no big deal low grade garden variety fear you know um, they, they they can rob you of your joy if they linger long enough, and that's one of the priceless nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. You don't mm. you can't go the distance without joy in ministry. Um, not every day is fun, but there's right. joy. Right. I, I think I think I think fear suffocates the soul of so much that's good, mm -hmm. so much that's life-giving, so much that's renewing. It's like, it's like spiritually holding your breath when God wants you to breathe deeply from all that he has for you. Mm -hmm. So it's that it's the, yeah, it dampens, it dampens joy. And it's like, like I love to talk with pastors about, you have to have both. You have to have productivity and joy. Mm -hmm. And we could talk about that if there's any time left, but you got to have them both. Well, and and on that and on that point, because that one of the five, that was probably, of course, I had. I mean, I've experienced all five of them, and probably the one that hurt the most was the dampened joy, and mm -hmm. that when when I came to a point where there just wasn't any joy in in my life, and Lisa was on one end of the couch and she was looking at me and she said I don't know what's wrong with you but you need help 
And it was at that point where I stepped out and got help. And thankfully, you know, that those next steps had led me to a place where there's a renewed joy. Now, fast forward many, many, you know, to today, to, to where we are today. One of the passages of scripture that I just preached on last Sunday was John 15, where it, Jesus is talking about that he's the vine and we're the branch and that he desires for us to abide in him and he in us and that apart from the branch we can do nothing but there's a there's a one little verse in that um uh, in that scripture where Jesus gives us his reason for telling us these things and he says I tell you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy will be full mm. and the only, and it's an abiding joy that we have in mm. in Christ that um when we when we live with him and him in us there's a joy that's unspeakable there's a joy that's that exists in the midst of chaos there's a joy that we can have in the even in the times where we lack confidence or there's a fear that w- that we have maybe that's that moment of fear but we have that joy which scripture says the joy of the lord is my strength mm-hmm. and so for me there's been a renewed joy there's and and I I do not want my joy to be dampened anymore and so I stand firm on that truth. Yes. That- and I think that one is so important because the joy I believe that he desires for us is that deep soul satisfaction in him. And of course, Satan doesn't like that because if we're resting in that soul satisfaction with Christ alone, then, yeah, Christ is getting the glory and Satan isn't. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, Dan, are there um, are there any other uh, points that you want to make about those five undesirable realities of fear? Anything you want to kind of tie the bow on there? I'd love to do a quick bow tie. How about that? Sure. Bow tie. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, the kind of the big, we address some, some thoughts inside those five, but I'd love to give a real quick, a real quick list of yeah. what can we do in general? Sure. What are the things we can, what, you know, what can all of us do? Um, whether it's church leaders or moms and dads helping their kids or any, anybody. I think the first thing is just don't bottle up your fear. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't just, don't keep it all in. Just talk to somebody. If you're that sometimes just, sometimes you're, just having a conversation, just getting it out is 51%. That may not get you all the way there, depending again on how high the fear is and how long it's been going, but just talking something, don't bottle it up. Second, and this was the bigger insight for me thinking about it. Name the fear. You actually mentioned this earlier. You said, I did remember Spencer. You said, I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And I thought, ah, see, there it is. Name the fear is number two. See, when you, I'm going to, let me say something super, super, super cheesy. Okay. I get to say one thing cheesy. Go for it. When, when you name the fear, you begin to tame the fear. Oh, that's good. That ain't cheesy. I like that. 
you, you, you're getting it out. See, you make it smaller. You make the fear smaller when you define it. When you let the fear define you, it makes you smaller. Mm. And so give it definition, n- name it. See, I think lack of clarity empowers fear. Clarity about the fear empowers you to break it. That's solid. Yeah. Break yeah. it into bite-sized pieces and eventually conquer it. Mm-hmm. Third, and you can see the progression. I like to write rather than just list like sort of progression. Um, take action. Now you're not bottling up, you know, you're taking your name in the fear, take action. What, what can you do about it? What, don't worry about what you can't do. Just say, what can I do? Take action. And then the last one, this is a, comes from a story about 15 years ago. We don't have time for today, but uh, it was a difficult season in ministry. And one of the outcomes for me was just learning to let God handle what you can't handle. I had, I had to let, I had to learn um, how to let God handle what I can't handle. I, I'm one of those knuckleheads that thinks I have no limits. And I, I, one of the other things I learned in that story way back is I, I have limits. I still hate saying that. I can't believe it. I, I've got limits. And and uh, and let God handle what I can't handle. There's a quote, one of my favorite, favorite, very favorite quotes is when you've done all that you can do, go to bed. God is still up. Mm. And that just gives me in those moments where I think, I can't, well, God's, he's still in it. He, you know, let him carry what you can't carry. That is so good. That is so good. It's really good. Just go to bed. Very practical. Mm-hmm. Go to bed because God is still up. God is still up. That's awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so much for sharing um, your wisdom from what God has taught you, what God is teaching you. I know this has been encouraging to me as well as a a challenge uh, on some things that I can work on, and I know it will be uh, as well for many of our listeners. So we really appreciate you being here with us. Could you tell uh, people how they could connect with you best if they would like to um, have some resources? And also, also, Dan... Talk about your new book that just came yes. out. I think you, I saw, I saw something on Instagram what today, and uh, how you uh, you did you did the the opening of the box with the books yes. and, and yes. everything. So yes. uh, I got the book on Kindle, and it's a devotional book, and I'd love for you to talk about that as well. All right, we'll do that real quick. But thank you for the opportunity. Uh, the easiest way to reach to find me is just my website, the blog site is danryland.com, uh, D-A-N-R-E-I-L-A-N-D, danryland.com. And everything's there and lots and lots and lots of articles. Of course, there's no cost, just jump in. So uh, it's interesting, you know, two years ago, I, I, uh, my last book that came out was Confident Leader right in the middle of the pandemic. You're right. They literally just started when Confident Leader came out. Wow. But that, that book has, uh, I think, helped a lot of leaders in this season in particular. Mm-hmm. But the one that just came out is called Leadership Alone Isn't Enough, 40 Devotions to Strengthen Your Soul. Mm-hmm. And you know me, I'm leadership all day long, everything rises, Maxwell, you know, everything rises and falls on leadership. Actually, I believe that next to the favor of God, everything rises and falls on leadership. But the longer I lead, the more I know in a deep, marrow place, what we've always known, and that is, it's really about our walk with God. 
the closer our walk with God, the greater our work for God. And I just wrote, you know, I did a, a couple of years ago, I did a search for uh, a devotional written to leaders, because honestly, what we don't need is another devotional. I mean, there's a gazillion and there's writers far better than I am. Uh, so let them write those beautiful devotionals. But I found three devotionals for the leaders, and some of them were really, you know, older. So this one's this devotional, 40 devotions, is written just for leaders. It's right to leaders in a practical way. And so I'm hoping it really helps helps and blesses a lot of volunteer, high-capacity volunteer, church leaders, church staff members. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, using that book in some groups that I'm in either with my staff, because uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to you or not recently, but I now have uh, right at a little over 40 staff that are under my supervision. And, wow. and then we have 27 counties from here to South Carolina. Um, a lot of coaches, a lot of schools, a lot of, a lot of ministry. And the one thing that we're really focusing on is developing our leaders and so that they can be healthy, um, being able to lead self uh, and lead others, lead their teams and lead organizationally. And so uh, I've already kind of dove into uh, this book and look forward to being able to walk through this book with other leaders under under my care and watch so i appreciate you re, uh, writing it and i look forward to diving in deeper with it i appreciate that encouragement uh, and I, pr I pray that it's uh, really hits the spot uh, uh, that you guys find it helpful and a, a value to you well thank you yeah you're welcome well dan thanks I know Lisa kind of wrapped us up there just a second ago, and I kind of chimed in. I was like, hey, we'll get to talk about the book for just a second. But thank you so much uh, yes. for your time. My pleasure. My pleasure. Lisa and I thank you for taking the time to listen in to our podcast. We are grateful for you and hope this interview with Dan will help strengthen your faith in your encounters with fear so that you will live courageously. Dan's wisdom and encouragement is applicable to every single one of us. I think for me, my one big takeaway when I face trials and fears is to name the fear to tame the fear. Defining it just makes it smaller. If you found this episode helpful in your life, please leave us a review or share it across your social media platforms or send it by text to your friends. Until next week, have a great week and live life to the fullest.